Welcome to the first episode of the Filthy Spoon Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Robert. And we're here to talk about North California duck hunting. That's right. So, uh, we are live. Thanks for joining us. Uh, John, why don't you tell us about what inspired you to start this podcast? Well, between you, Robert, and me, there ain't as many people I know that are ate up with this duck hunting like we are. And of all the waterfowl podcasts I listen to, there's nothing about North California rice hunting. There's a couple California podcasts, but it doesn't really relate to the way we do things, how we do things. And quite honestly, they kind of suck in my opinion. And we want to make something that's pretty awesome that can relate to kind of blue-collar duck hunters the way we do it in this part of the world. Yeah, I agree. I, I tend to browse a lot of uh, Instagram and, and uh, podcast platforms, and most of the, the waterfowl world is, seems to be focused on the South and, and Midwest and the West Coast in general doesn't seem to get as much attention. And I think a lot of people are pretty surprised when they find out the quality of, of waterfowl hunting that we have here in California, especially Northern California. I agree. And uh, to some people that are ho-dump picks from other places, we're not liberals. We're regular, working, blue-collar, conservative guys. And we live in California, believe it or not. That's right. And there's a whole wide world out there of duck hunters like us that people don't know in the rest of the country and we want to talk about it i think people will like it and i think it's going to be a good show for sure Uh, i do want to let people know too that we have an instagram account you can find us at filthy spoon waterfowl on instagram and if you have any comments or feedback or if you just want to send us some hate mail uh, you can direct message us we love hate mail the more the better please well, John, you are a uh, author of most of the hate mail on Instagram these days. Yes, yes. It's my cross to bear, but I got wide shoulders. So so if you want to send John any hate mail back, uh, feel free to do it through the Filthy Spoon Waterfowl Instagram page. Um, so, John, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, Northern California duck hunting? So I think our area, uh, particularly north of Sacramento has um, just a, a lot of diversity in what type of hunting is available. So obviously we have wildlife refuges, and that's that's its own system here that, uh, from my understanding, is, is a little unique. So, um, you know, I guess in general when I think of uh, waterfowl hunting out here, it's not how you scout, it's not how you call, it's not what clothes you buy. <laughs> It's access, right? Everything it's, comes uh, down to access. access yes, because everybody else is, you can't scout because you don't even know if you're going to get on, let alone the spot you're going to be able to get on to. So you can do a little bit of scouting, you know, if you're doing free roam or something, but it's definitely not in big areas where you're driving around glass and birds. We, we are not able to do that out here at all. Exactly, because even our, even our refuges, uh, which are public lands, they require um, passes to to get on and then you have to have a reservation um, or uh, lottery or uh, sweat Sweat line. line. You're determined. Most guys can get on on the weekend though. It's, it's not that it can't be done. A lot of people make it seem like it's impossible. You got to put the work in. You can get birds. You can be successful, 
but it's a lot of work and you're dealing with a lot of BS of, you know, other hunters and it's, you know, highly competitive. Some people know what they're doing. Others don't. Sky blasting's a general rule, I guess, but it can be done. And I think it's kind of a good way to come up duck hunting because it really makes you appreciate it when you're hunting private land or public that nobody's at. Exactly. And there are, there are some, you know, um, areas in California that you can still hunt that are truly public, um, that don't require passes. I think some of the state areas, they call them type C wildlife areas, um, and then rivers. Um, and, but it's pretty, the, 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 just the traffic, the amount of birds that you're going to encounter, it's, it's going to be a lot smaller than if you're actually on a, a, a wildlife refuge. Yes, because some of these wildlife refuges are next to multi-million dollar duck clubs, and you're in the heart of the Butte Sink, some of the best waterfowl hunting on the planet, and you're just some Joe Schmo schmuck. You're able to get out there if you get a good number, and it's awesome. I mean, there's flaws in it, but all in all, I think it's a good system, and basically everybody gets a chance to get on. I'm glad I don't have to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning doing it anymore now that we're rice rats, but I'm glad that's there. Exactly. So when so when I think of kind of the four main ways to hunt waterfowl in California, we think of, of refuges as being uh, one of the more common types there are, and then those other uh, just general public public areas. And then you mentioned those uh, million dollar kind of quintessential duck clubs um, that are more like natural marsh. And for someone like uh, you and I, that's that's fairly unattainable, although. There are some ways to, to experience that nowadays, too, for the average person and, uh, through organizations like California Waterfowl Association that uh, actually have purchased a couple of those those marsh clubs or have been donated them. Um, and then you mentioned the rice rats. So that's the uh, – if you want to maybe go into that and talk about rice hunting a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, if it's kind of a, like a – economical station you got the four guys at the bottom that are hunting the refuges exclusively then you got kind of a tier up from there and they're guys that got a little bit more money can afford to rent their own rice blind and that can be better or you can rent a mud hole and shoot nothing for you know 15 to 2 grand a seat it's but as you go on you get you know better property and stuff but you'd really never know but the rice is kind of a blue collar way of hunting where you're not having to deal with the public land you know you're going to have a spot to hunt you don't got to wake up at you know one in the morning to get there it's a lot more convenient there's drawbacks because you're not hunting natural so you're limited or some species we just don't get we don't shoot a lot of mallards out there pintail or you know we're thick but not many mallards but you can bring your side by side you know there's usually room for you know to bring a guest or something it's it's a pretty decent deal for a blue collar duck hunter guy, I think. I agree. Um, one of the things that people might not know, listening if they're not from uh, this area or if they just haven't experienced it, is just the amount of uh, rice that's grown in Northern California. I I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, someone can probably correct me on this, but I I would venture to say we're probably in the top three states for for I'm rice. I'm pretty sh- sure. It's, I think it's Arkansas, Louisiana, and us in this kind of hot top rice producers. And and that goes with ducks too. 
exactly. It's a big it's a big uh, win win for the for the waterfowl and the the rice farmers because um, in this area in particular, when the uh, Central Valley was levied up and um, and the land was reclaimed, they took a lot of the natural marshes out of out of existence, but they've replaced them with, with rice fields, which is like an artificial marsh for these wintering waterfowl to habitat in. And it's a, it's a really good thing for the, um, for the birds. And then it provides a lot of recreation opportunities, um, just quite frankly, based on the, uh, generosity of, of a lot of the rice farmers to allow duck hunters to use their, their land, um, for hunting. Of course they get, they get some money, off of it, but it's not, uh, definitely not what I think is their primary motivation. I think, um, really there's just a lot of good, good people, good landowners that want to let, that understand the importance of hunting and they want to make sure that that continues. Um, cause it really is, it's kind of cliche to say, but it really is important for the species that we have, we have hunting. It is no doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, we're fortunate. We got some good people we lease from, and they care about the duck hunters and the ducks, obviously. And it, it's a big help when you have the farmers on your side. And California waterfowl, for as messed up as this state is, this is one of the best things about California. Is CWA is a great organization, and they, you know, have nest salvage programs they do with farmers. They work closely with farmers. They do great work out here for everybody the working man the ducks the everybody involved cwa is a great organization i would invite everybody wherever you live to join them because they're a very good organization that cares about conservation yeah i totally agree and, and um not to throw you under the bus but and brag about you too much but you are a life member i am i am uh yes uh one of the few things in my life i was willing to commit to be a lifer of and that's one of them because I think the work they do is so important. And they're very transparent on where the money goes. And, you know, there's some other organizations that aren't quite as transparent. And just everything about them I've always liked. They're good folks to deal with. Dinners are a good time. And they're out here doing the Lord's work, in my opinion, for these ducks. For sure. And and we're not affiliated. We'd love to be. So if no, you're, no. If, yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're from CWA yeah. and you happen to be stumble across us losers and yeah. you want to sponsor yeah, us. we're uh, just a couple of idiots. Yeah, we'd we? love to be yeah. affiliated. But no, we just are, uh, are you know, impressed and, and happy to participate. I, you know, I mentioned earlier some of the, you know, kind of. High dollar marsh private lands, and and I've I've been able to go on some CWA hunts just as a as average person uh, who puts in form and and gets drawn and is able to go experience that. So I yeah they're doing great work and and you know we'll I'm happy to plug them for free. Yeah yeah same here. And they don't just do waterfowl hunts. They got pig hunts, turkey hunts, dove hunts. I think some deer hunts. It's they're definitely a good organization. So. Um, what folks who haven't experienced um, rice rice hunting may not understand is is just you know if we could kind of describe the stereotypical uh, setup of, of like a rice blind. So we have rice fields that of course um, you know grow rice, and after they're harvested, there's a variety of methods they do to uh, to get rid of the straw, uh, whether it's through disking or or burning even in some cases, and then of course they 
they flood the fields, um, not just for the habitat, but to help decompose the, the straw and, and put reintroduce uh, nutrients in the soil. And I'm, of course, I'm just kind of uh, speaking out of turn on most of this because neither of us are, are farmers. Um, but if we could just, John, maybe describe just this typical rice blind setup. When we talk about a rice blind, what are we, what are we talking about here? The way we do it, and I assume it's similar for a lot of folks, uh, you know, we'll run anywhere from 100 decoys to a couple hundred decoys, and most of them stay out there year-round. Um, we have blind covers we put up on the blind so we can hide pretty well from the ducks. You used to not need to hide as much, but it seems like they're getting smarter every year, so we got to be pretty concealed nowadays, it feels like. And where we hunt, it's kind of... Early in the season, it's more geese than ducks, so we're kind of set up more geared towards hunting geese, not like dry field setup, but hunting geese over water, so it's a little bit different, but we still get plenty of, or I should say Robert gets plenty of speckle bellies, and uh, then as we start rolling into November, into December, we start getting some weather, it kind of changes, it's almost like a light switch sometimes, and then here come the ducks. And then we, we change up our spread, and we'll throw out decoys. And we should, any day, you can shoot a, such a wide variety of species. It's, you know, we got plenty of spoonies, no doubt about that. The sprig, of course, are huge bird. Um, widgeon are huge. Although I didn't shoot as many of them this year as I How about you, Robert? No. No, I had, I had one kind of memorable widgeon day and another day that was pretty mixed bag with a couple widgeon there. But the widgeon seemed to be... Uh, they weren't like normal, yeah. No, they didn't, they didn't come in like they normally do. And then green-winged teal is a regular bird for us. And occasionally we'll get divers showing up too. Not in, not in droves, but we'll get a lot of divers, especially towards the end of the year, it seems like. Yep. And, I mean, and of course, occasional mallards. Not a ton, but we'll get mallards. And and this year the uh, the bypass was one of the years where the bypass flooded, so... Uh, when we talk about the bypass, we primarily talk about the Sutter Bypass, um, which is a, a large flood control um, system in place where when the Sac River gets to a certain elevation, it just it spills into the Sutter Bypass, which is is just a ginormous, uh, I, I don't know, lane of, of, of land with um, for the river to run into, um, and when it's when the bypass floods, uh, we tend to get a lot of divers. Uh, we we hunt well, one of the places we hunt is out there, and and that seems to always bring in the the what bluebills and yeah bluebills golden eyes golden eyes <laughs> yeah and, and a lot of the younger braver guys that they'll go out and hunt the bypass, uh, and guys do quite well once it floods. It's uh, I would say a young man's game or somebody that knows what they're doing on moving water because there's a million obstacles and you're hunting where it was dry land, so there's gates and all kinds of stuff. But guys do very well doing that. And is that more of like a boat situation? Yes, guys in a boat. And guys will get down on the side of you know levees and stuff too. But, um, yeah, that's for not for the faint of heart for sure. Yeah, so talking about like getting up early and and, and – you know, whether it's a refuge situation or, or that kind of free free for all, uh, public land. I know, like you're saying, when the bypass floods and you can you can get in there with a the boat, it's uh, 
you know, even though there's a lot of private property in there, once once it's flooded and you can navigate it with a boat, I, you know, I think it's generally folks can do that. Um, not something I've done, but so talk, going back to like the the rice hunting, uh, the big benefit is that you know you have a place that you're going to be able to hunt, whether it's good, bad, mediocre. You can be out there. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, different rice clubs hunt. Uh, differently some some areas and and it's you know i'm not a i'm not a bird biologist i'm i'm you know a nobody when it comes to being able to explain why uh, things are the way they are very well at least but it does seem that like certain rice properties hunt really well um all the time or they'll have a, a really hot period where for i mean you know a couple weeks they'll just be just uh, fire yeah. yeah on fire and then other properties are a little, you know a little more sensitive where it seems that you know they have a lot of traffic but you have to kind of baby them and not hunt them every day or else the birds just uh you know get pressured out and, and move out of the area so it's just there's a lot of i think that's what draws a lot of us maybe to hunting is just that you know that interaction with nature and that unknown like you can sometimes you just know you go into a hunt you've you've been you know, if it's your blind, you've been maybe driving around the area. You see a lot of, see a lot of birds. You've, uh, you know, the hunting's been good. Uh, the weather's conditions are, are what you would think they are. And you just go into it with pretty high hopes. And, and, you know, sometimes it delivers and it just goes as planned. But other times it almost seems like everything's uh, against you. You got yeah, a yeah, full moon, exactly. no, no wind, full moon, uh, stagnant and then you go out there and you shoot ducks on a day like that right and vice versa everything is in your favor we got a friggin' you know north wind or a south wind and you know we're and you go out there and you don't shoot nothing it just it seemed to be a little bit more predictable in years past and now it's you just can't tell i mean go out there because you never know what you're going to get but but uh so just describing a, a rice blind for those who maybe don't know we're really talking about a, a tank, a steel tank, um, buried on a rice check. You know what? About I don't know how how deep those things go. What do you think, John? What, four. Four, probably, yeah, four feet. Four feet by, by what? what? Eight feet maybe. Yeah, and a then little over eight for a four man. And then how wide? How wide? How much room do you have in those? Maybe eighteen inches. Yeah. As you say, you should know because you've built you've built some blind covers in the past. Yes, so. yes. So you have a uh, a better handle than than some of us on on the dimensions. Yeah, we this year at our place we made I copied it from a guide's hunt I went on, and they had a bigger blind than what we hunt. And I haven't seen anybody do this on this size of blind, but we built a roll top, and it turned out to be a great success. It helped. I think helped quite a bit help with and not just hiding from the ducks but when it was storming you were underneath it and uh everybody seemed to really like it and for uh, sure i like i said i haven't seen it on a format i've seen it on a lot of the bigger guide blinds where you know there's 10 seats in it or whatever but nothing like what we did and it worked out pretty well and i was happy about that yeah i was, I was really impressed with it i think uh like you said even even you know, I do think it definitely helped with the hunting, and it and it keeps you concealed. And but uh, you know, almost uh, you know, an equal benefit is just how comfortable that thing was when it was storming. Yeah, and we had sure. a lot of rain this we year. We had a, more rain than I mean, since the eighteen hundreds, I think. 
so it came in handy. Yeah, the 2022-2023 uh, rain season in Northern California was pretty darn significant. Uh, a lot of our reservoirs were at historic lows, and now they're, you know, over 100% of oh, average. Yes, and we still got all the snow melt in the mountains. So, yeah. So this, so this year, um, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully, a lot of rice is planted in the valley, and there's a, you know, um, a lot of. A lot of feed for these birds. I know another thing that happened. So last year, having that uh, large amount of rain, it came, uh, what, maybe started November. Yeah, um, November. But that was on the heel of a historic drought. So we had uh, avian bird flu was well, going around. Bad, yep. And that's something that we uh, we witnessed personally a couple times earlier in the season when the snow geese Started coming in. It really seemed like it affected the snow Not geese more the than snows, the specks. Yeah, we didn't see the specks affected or any ducks, but the snows were most definitely affected. There was a uh, one morning in particular that uh, you and I were hunting with another another guy in our in our group, and uh, we we had some snicks, six snow geese, some six snow geese, um, kind of just sitting on the field, standing up, looking at us when we were walking to the yeah, blind. Yeah, and then a couple of them just kind of kamikaze in. I mean, they were, it was, uh, they didn't act like snow geese that day for sure. Yeah, no, it uh, it was bad. And, and but thankfully, uh, you know, we have a decent amount of water this year. So hopefully the uh, the waterfowl are doing doing good. I don't, I don't feel, think, you know, uh, I think snow geese, Again, just from like a layman's perspective, the way they, they feed might be why the, the, the avian bird flu spread because they do seem to, to feed in tight groups. And with exactly. the limited water, I would think that's probably had a big deal to do with it, yeah. Um, again, from a layman's perspective, it seems like the snow geese population is doing pretty good these days. So yeah, I, I yeah, a little too good. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe uh, avian bird flu, not, not the end of the world, but uh, what do I know? But this, another with the water we have... I, it's going to have to help the spring hatch too for the local birds. That's true. We have water everywhere, puddle water all yep. over, sheet oh, water yeah. still everywhere. We were, uh, my wife and I were walking around uh, the levees today, just in the morning, getting some exercise, and uh, came across the, this fairly large. It almost looks like a pond, but it's really just uh, you know rainwater. It might be might be fed through through drainage or something. Um, but there was five wood ducks hanging out in the pond, so that was pretty cool to see. That is awesome. And it's uh, not terribly far from where you and I hunt, John. So, uh, you know, hopefully. Oh, and we we do encounter a decent amount of wood ducks there. Yes, you know, yes. Not a lot, but every year there's a couple that get harvested out of that property. So, um, you know, going back to talking about, like, the species we encounter in these fields, um, it seemed like nine ten years ago even when i look back at some some like old photos of of rice hunting um some of the rice blinds i've been in i i see oh yeah you know i had four mallards that day or whatever and and these days it's like one two once in a while once in a while i mean to be honest i didn't shoot a mallard all year other than the northeast opener up north where it's mostly mallards but in the rice this year i personally didn't get one mallard right yeah, seen I seen a couple, but that was it. I uh, in the rice, I think I shot three this year. I got I got lucky one afternoon out there and 
ended up shooting a, a hen and a drake couple that were flying uh that decoyed in pretty well but uh no i would say the in our consistently across the valley i've been noticing and we uh we have we're in a pretty good situation with our our club where we're able to hunt uh a couple different areas in the in the yuba Sutter area but uh I would say spoonies are definitely probably one of the number I'd one birds these days. They're probably number one bird, yeah. Yeah. I'd say so, especially this last year. And and maybe maybe a close tie or it's hard to say could be first is pintail. Pintails are still number one. Although, yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. If we could shoot two of them, that'd be great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah does, I don't know how the rest of the flyaways are. Um, you know, I'm sure they're not nearly as abundant from what I can tell, but here they're. Um, if you if you hunt Northern California rice, especially, you're you're probably going to harvest a pintail it about every time you go out. Just yeah. about, yeah, pretty consistent. Um, so pintails, spoonies, teal seem to to be uh, pretty decent shape yeah, this we, year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The widgeon was the only ones that seemed a little off. A couple storm days we had where they would show up in groups and they were gone. For sure. And Gadwall, we get Gadwall, call them gray ducks down south, but we call them Gadwall. Um, we got, I got a couple this year. There's always seems to be a few around, but they're not around very long. Now, I haven't shot one in a couple of years. Really? I, yeah, it's been, it's been a number of years. Uh, in fact, one of my, I only have two bands and that's a, uh, another thing that kind of separates our, our flyaway, especially rice hunting from from a lot of the the rest of the country and uh, it's just the band situation it seems like in the rice if you if you exclusively hunt rice you're going to shoot a lot less bands than if you hunt uh refuges and and marsh but uh but yeah one of my one of my bands actually from gray lodge is a is a gadwall and uh i think i've only shot you know a handful handful in the rice were you out towards uh the bypass when you shot that is that yeah 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 yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, out there where I I don't think I've ever shot them at our other property, right? But out towards the bypass, out there, yes, we uh, I I get a couple a year out there. Same with divers, right? Like that's yeah. kind of where you, you, you get some ring necks yep. out there, and then later it goes on, you get some more, you know, all kinds of wacky divers. That you're like, where'd you come from? You know, weren't there a week ago? For sure. It's almost like clockwork. The last weekend of the season, we'll shoot a bunch of golden eyes and stuff that, you know, we just normally don't shoot until the end of January. And then as far as geese go, um, you know, snows and specks are kind of the, the, the main birds in the valley. It's not so much honkers anymore, which is kind of funny because, you know, Yuba City has a high school named after the honkers. Right? Yeah. Yep. And, it, yeah, the honkers here are all hanging out in the parks and stuff. We don't have a big migrating population of them i don't believe anymore right and you and i were talking earlier before uh we started recording just about how we used to see fields full of honkers uh you know even uh, probably what 15 years ago yeah. even um and these days uh, i i i was telling you how i see uh you know you see a couple bands in the sky uh in september october and they'll they'll feel uh feed on some of the freshly cut or freshly harvested rice fields, but they really get bullied out by these specks and snows. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, 20 years ago, the specks weren't the way they are now, and I think they just bullied them out of here between the specks and the snows, and they pushed them out. And 
I mean, to be honest, I'm okay with it. I was going to say, to be fair, good problem to have, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, we uh, we have two two speckle bellies from last season sitting on the smoker right now. Yeah, that's awesome. So we'll, uh, you know, that's what's for dinner today. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, the so, and for someone like like me, I don't know how it was for you. Maybe you can talk about your experience, but I was really a duck hunter for a long time, and then. Um, would just notice that pattern that you described earlier in this, um, where we would just see specks and, uh, really primarily specks, like they'd, they'd be showing up early. Right. So the first part of the season, it's like, we're not even duck hunting. We're just, no, I never even target them. I didn't even call. I didn't even yeah, know. Same here. Call same here. Years ago. Yeah. They just, it, you know, we'd see them around and you might get one that, you know, gets within range, but it wasn't something we targeted. And now, especially with the drought the last couple of years, this year was an exception because we had good duck numbers. But in the couple of years past, if you're not shooting geese, you're not going to be shooting anything. For sure. So us, and I know from, you know, the, you see all the stores around here full of spec decoys and spec calls and the guys, there's guides, you know, that they're dry field hunting all over them. It's really been a change in targeting them, I think, more than it has been in the past. And you can tell by the way the birds act a little bit because it seemed like if you had a single, you could get him in. Yeah. And uh, now they're a little more leery than they've ever been, I think. I don't know. They're, it's like everything else. Everything gets smarter, you know. Exactly, yeah. It, it, it's kind of cool because it provides you that, uh, well, first off, specs are a lot of fun to shoot. They are a lot of fun. Right? Yeah. A lot of meat on them and good meat. A lot of meat, good meat. Um, and when they... When you get a group of specs committing, I mean, it really gets your uh, your heart pumping, right? Oh yeah, heck yeah. And that you know, for me, that's one of the coolest things when you're you know sitting and I have some uh, you know a couple pictures from last season where I'm you know sitting in jeans and a a t-shirt in the in the blind, just you know fully fully concealed with our blind covers and stuff, and you're just working working in these these specs in the in the shallow water. Uh, you know, right when these floods field, it's uh, flood or these fields flood, and it's still kind of warm out. It's still like high of seventy-eight. Oh, yeah, 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 late, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, the, when you're talking about, yeah, what an awesome story that is. You know, we'll have to save that. You have to tell that story for well, sure. That's uh, yeah, that opening right when you got water last year. That's an awesome story. But I've saved that for a future episode for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But these these specs seem to just uh, come earlier every year, and and. Uh, and along with the snows, the snows are seem to be right behind them. Yeah, the not very far behind really, them. Yeah. We'll get the specs start showing up pretty heavy in August. Yeah. And uh, and as the fields start flooding, it just seems like more and more showing up. And he, here where I live, um, you know, the specs, they show up in time right when the, the weather is kind of cooling down where you can sleep with your window open. So, you know, for a waterfowler like me, it just drives you nuts when you're trying to go to sleep at night and yeah, all you hear specs yep. and opening days a week away yep. and you're just salivating, just that's ready to a, get yeah. out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it really makes it what, uh, what dreams are made. But speaking of, of ready to get there and, and next season, I think, you know, earlier you and I were talking about uh, next season and some of the plans we have. And I think, uh, you know, there's, not to not to put people in a box, but there's kind of two different types of duck hunters, right? There's the kind that are like, "Hey, it's September. I just went dove hunting," and oh yeah, you know what? Uh, in about a month and a half, we're gonna oh, we're yeah. gonna oh, we're yeah. gonna duck, duck hunt. hunting. Yeah. 
And then there's uh, guys like you and I, and I don't. How would you describe us? Uh, I would say that we're uh, gay for it almost. I mean, uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, something that we think about year round. Uh, it never stops. It's always something training with our dogs. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm tying up decoys right now for next year, melting lead weights. It's a constant. Re- it never quits. Right. We're always doing something, working on blind covers, coming up with what we're going to do. And that's part of the reason we're doing this podcast, so we can talk about this stuff year-round. Because we love it year-round, you know. And we'll go off into little tangents of different things here and there. But bottom line is we love duck hunting. And we know there's other people like us. I, I just went on a duck hunting trip in Mexico and met, you know, seven, eight guys that are just like me. So I know we're out there. So I'm sure they'll enjoy talking about it year-round, too. So, For sure, yeah. No, I'd love to. I think uh, a future episode, we're going to have to sit down and talk about your your Mexico trip because uh, the pictures that you were sending me, let me tell you, I was I was getting pretty darn jealous. Yeah, once it's cool, yeah, we'll put them up on the uh, Instagram site and show you guys. I mean, it's phenomenal stuff. It's fun. It's, it's almost like a vacation for duck hunting because it's none of the effort, but you're you know getting plenty of shooting, and it's a lot of fun. We'll talk about that here one of these days. No, absolutely. Um, the other, the other thing with you know, kind of going back to what we we're talking about with the, the the species is you know we mentioned probably our top top two species is um, at least where we hunt, and maybe you know maybe other people are listening and and they go, well, you know, I hunt rice and I shoot you know seven mallards a day or whatever, and that's great and good for you, and you know. Uh, Send me an invite, and I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, to come yeah, witness exactly. it. You want to be our bro? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for us, it's definitely you know if you're not, I would say if you're not shooting spoonies, you're you're probably not shooting ducks some days, uh, yeah, right? I would I would hope the the spoonie pride would be over by now because I mean I and and to be honest, in the rice they taste fine. I mean, it's I don't know. It, I'll shoot them. I know world class hunters that shoot them. I don't got a problem shooting them. Man. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm glad you brought up that they taste fine in the rice because I uh, anyone that doesn't uh, like spoonies, if you use that big water, uh, you know, where spoonies are just kind of like divers. That's not. That's not really what we're talking about no, here. No, no. They all everything that's it's been in the rice for a period of time tastes. I don't want to say the same, but it gets whatever's in them out of them, and they're they're all good eating. Exactly, and 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 we. Uh, are fortunate to hunt in some areas that where the ducks will will start settling in um, early and they don't leave and they are they're feeding on these some of these spoonies are fat when we get them. Oh yeah, I mean we're feeding. Yeah, we're we're the wintering grounds for these ducks. I mean they'll go a little bit south of us too, and I know eventually a lot of them go all the way down into Mexico and even further. But a lot of these ducks they're here all winter, so they've been sitting here gorging on this rice. Some of them since September. And, yeah, we'll get, you know, a quarter inch of fat almost sometimes, it seems like, on a sprig or even a spoonie once in a while. Like, dang, you know. And as long as that good white fat, not that yellow stuff, it's good eating. Exactly, yeah. I know it's really cool when you when you go to, like, if you're going to breast out a bird and you, you go and you see that, that white fat that you're describing. It's like, yeah, this is good yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know it's going to be good, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no hate on the spoonies over here. Uh, it's not like we, you know. Want nothing but but spoons. It's actually I would say the Pacific Flyway, 
is probably one of the most diverse flyways that you could hunt. Where we've had, you know, I was looking back just at this last season at um, some of the photos. I had a friend from Southern California visit, and uh, and I took him hunting a couple of days. And one of our um, hunts, and we had I think five different species in the bag. Yeah, that's awesome. I love those kind of hunts, and it happens pretty regularly. And I not nothing wrong with shooting seven mallard, even though most of the country can only shoot six, but we get to shoot seven out here. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. We just, that ain't something we get to do a lot, if ever, to be honest. I mean, I, like I know there's places that do, but with the way we do things, that's just not a, not really an option. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're don't get me wrong, mallards are certainly fun to shoot. Uh, they taste good. Um, but I think one of the fortunate parts about Rice hunting is that, you know, most of our birds taste pretty good. That's a definite plus, I'd agree. Um, you know, we're not hunting big water. We don't have a lot of, you know, fish eaters. We're not hunting big lakes or, or rivers. Um, not that that doesn't sound fun, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we do a little bit of different hunting scenarios. But, I mean, our the club we're in is a rice club, and that's what our primary hunting is. But. I, I'll venture out a little bit. So will Robert. We'll hunt a little bit in the northeast of the state because they open up two weeks early. Yep. That's a different environment completely. You're hunting out of a boat and everything. And then I know you did a guided goose hunt up there. Yep. And you and I have gone to Washington State and yep, done yep. some hunting in eastern Washington. Washington. Yeah. yeah. So we haven't, I, any new environment, we haven't been down to the Sassoon Marsh in the Bay Area. That's a little bit different. It's yep. a marsh type habitat with, you know, it's brackish water and the. Tide and all that, and you're shooting a lot of like, spoonies and teal and stuff like that down there. Now, thinking about California, and you mentioned some of it just now, but um, so we're in the the you know northern Sacramento Valley, I guess you could call it. Um, but we have so that's that's where a lot of your rice hunting is. There's you know uh, you mentioned the Butte Sink area, so that's that references this kind of natural marsh area around the um, Sutter Buttes. Um, so from like Sacramento uh, north to like Redding is a lot of you know a lot of rice hunting and and marsh hunting, um, and then you mentioned the northeast zone. So yeah, up there there's some you're doing rivers and kind of marshy stuff, and then there's some I guess they do some stock tank or pond hunting. You know on smaller if they got land up there and there's a lot of dry field goose hunting because there's a lot of geese up there, a few refuges up there too. And now you've you've done the the river hunting up there. Yeah, we've been doing that for seven or eight years now. And what what's that river? I think it's Thule. Thule River? Thule yeah. River. Yeah, really scenic area out there. Really oh, beautiful, yeah. Hard to believe it's even in California. It is. It is. It's beautiful up there. We don't do super well. There's a lot of birds around, but they're really smart early for some reason up there. But we have a great time, and it's beautiful. Some of the beautifulest country I've ever been in. And then um, if you just... You, know, you you mentioned Sassoon, so that's that's kind of like southwest of us, I guess you would say. Yeah, um, it's kind of bay, getting into the Bay Area. Yep. And then, I mean, they do guided duck hunts, diver hunts on San Francisco Bay. Yeah, you could you could diver, <laughs> you could do a, a ocean duck shoot right yep, right yep. off. And then the Delta is the Delta, huge. Yeah. The Delta is huge. That's I mean that's huge. Uh, in fact, if there's anybody listening that want to talk to us, it's a big Delta hunter. I'd love to talk to you because I've never hunted down there. For sure, um, yeah. It's 
different kind of world. You know, you're running and gunning and guys are burning down blinds down there, I hear. And I mean, but they do really successful. And there's some high dollar duck clubs on islands. And it sounds pretty cool to me. But uh, And then geographically going south, you have like grasslands. Uh, grasslands. Yeah, and I've, I've never heard of the grasslands. I've hunted there quite a bit. I had a buddy down there and that grasslands cool. It's a lot of teal and right. boonies and gadwall and it's... It's a cool area. Now, when you say teal, are you talking green wing and cinnamon there? Green wing and cinnamon. That's where in California, whenever you see there's cinnamon out here, that's the majority of where they're at is in the grasslands. And there's more and more blue wing all the time. I actually shot a blue really? wing down there. Yeah, we're going on 10 years ago, but yeah. Wow. There is blue wing down there. Yeah, blue. I've, I've you know, never shot a blue wing, which is, uh, it's on my list. I'd love to shoot one someday, which is, you know kind of funny when you think about some other areas of the country right they're probably like blue wing but yeah. it's it, it would be like how we think of pintail exactly exactly yeah it's always surprising when we hear people but we talk do about have them what was it last year we had a guy shoot a blue wing out of a, one of our blinds yeah you're right yep. yeah yeah <laughs> well, i mean they're getting more prevalent out here i'd like to find out why and how and all that but uh yeah i totally forgot about that yeah. till you just brought it up yep yeah that's a good point very uh, diverse out here in the ducks and the people. So, pretty interesting, I think, for some folks probably hear about it. Some of us live around here. might, you know, might be interesting to hear somebody talking in your backyard. But uh, we're going to go into all kinds of different stuff as we go on. And it's, it's going to be a fun podcast. We're going to joke around. We're going to have fun. We're going to, you know, just generally have a good time and talk about duck hunting and you know we want to interact with people so if you have any messages you want to send us like i say we've already told you send them on in we want to hear you got questions for us you want to something you want to hear us talk about send it on in yeah for sure um and just to reiterate our our instagram it's at uh, filthy spoon waterfowl so uh you know the name filthy spoon pretty easy to Connect the dots on why we chose that. You, I think we've talked about spoonies, yep, yep. <laughs> a couple times yeah, already. So, yep. <laughs> um, you know, we don't uh, don't shy away from that. If you're not shooting spoonies, then you're not having fun. If you're hunting with us, that's for sure. Yeah, I, you know, as as many spoonies as I shoot, I've never been able to commit to a full spoonie limit. I've I've always uh, the closest I've got is you know multiple occasions I've had the one pintail and. And six spoonies. That happens quite often, but yes. It seems like you get your sprig off the bat a lot, and then you go, man, I wish I would have just held off. Cause, yeah. Exactly. And uh, and the thing with the, the, the sprig is, it's just the way that they commit to our blind some days. You just can't say no. 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 It's They're either all in or all out. You know, they're super leery where you can't really get them in, into range. Or they're just coming right at you with, you know, cupped up with their neck out. Looks like the CWA logo coming at you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're 15 yards yep, above you. Yep, it's one of the two. You know, you whack them with a gun barrel some days, you know. And uh, and I think, so that that's another, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not too serious about it or else I would have done it already. But because there's been a couple opportunities to get um, pure spoon limits and, uh your widgeon limits back in the day yeah yeah yeah. you could get seven widgeon um and i've always had you know i i don't know if it's just 
where I'm hunting or if I'm just that undisciplined. But I've always been a little, uh, I just mix, mix the bag every time. Well, to be honest, other, except for last, we've had some really on and off years the last years. And it's kind of like beggars can't be choosers. So, Well, there was uh, that one hunt you and I had in 2021, yeah, uh, January, where yes. we, we really should have shot uh, 14 widgeon. But we, we had to throw some spoons in there. We had, what, 12 widgeon and two spoons. Yes, and in what about thirty-five minutes without a dog? Yeah, at least Maybe. thirty-five minutes. Yeah, it would, I mean, it it couldn't have been much longer than that. Probably less, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty uh, pretty epic. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get pictures up on the site of some of these hunts we're talking about, and you know, it. I don't know. It should be fun. I don't know. We'd love to hear some feedback, but I'm about out of beer. So, what do you think? Got anything else left to say? No, I think I think it's been a good conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to next duck season already. Yeah, oh yeah, me too. Yeah, we uh, we're we're working on some stuff with our our club. Um, I don't think I don't think the uh, it's it's really funny just the way just the way we live. You know, we're always thinking about it. We're always thinking about next season and planning and scheming and just trying to make things as uh, as ideal as as possible for. For, you know, two average or, you know, maybe even some days below average guys, yeah. being, you know, being able to, to go out and have some fun and, and enjoy the uh, the area we live in, really. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, it's, if you love duck hunting, it's a great place to live. You know, there's a lot of knocks on where we live and we both pull our hair out with some of the politics and stuff. But when it comes to duck hunting, I mean, this is a mecca. It's, I can't think of another place I'd rather live, you know, especially talking to other people in other parts of the country that, you know, they've had it rough down south the last few years. and For sure. You and know. it's funny, you know, if, if you think about the U.S. most, if you live in a honey hole of duck hunting, you're probably like, don't tell anyone, but nobody's looking to move here. <laughs> to no, California yeah, yeah, nobody's going to come from other there. states. Uh, yeah, you're all welcome to visit, but you ain't going to want to move out here. Yeah. If you ain't from here, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you know, just... just what what we endure is, uh, yeah, duck hunting. Good duck hunting is the you know the least amount of joy that this day. Well, can if I'm provide. being completely honest. Duck hunting is one of the main things that keeps me living here for sure. You, you, know? you gotta have it. Can't yeah. be all bad, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, I mean, I got a good job and I'm born and raised here. But I mean, to be honest, you know, everybody's kind of fleeing out of here, and I might be taking a U-Haul to my daughter's graduation if it wasn't <laughs> for the good duck hunting. So. Exactly. All right. Well, good uh, good talking to you, John, and we'll have to uh, do this again soon. Yeah, for sure.